0: Section Four of the Rover Volume One Number Thirteen. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. The Rover, Volume One, Number Thirteen, Edited by Seba Smith and Laurence Labrie. Section Four A Story of Modern Honor by Lord more i was well acquainted with two young men who made their first appearance in the society of london at about the same period lord orenmore and mr severn many things appeared to have fallen to the share of each in nearly equal portions such as considerable wealth great advantages of personal appearance and brilliant mental endowments upon both it is almost needless to add the world dawned brightly and smiled kindly perhaps however the points of difference were even more striking than those of resemblance between them in the very matter of their good looks for instance to which i have alluded lord Ornmore was extremely dark his countenance serious and even stern his figure lofty and imposing the complexion of his contemporary was fair and was particularly remarkable for the open and radiant expression of his features if i had been writing a tale or novel i should probably have presented each of them to my reader at once by informing him that salvator rosa would have shattered the outline of oranmore beneath one of his shaggy rocks or blighted trees and that raphael might have selected severn for a student in the school of athens or a listener in the group round st cecilia i shall perhaps as briefly convey an impression of their moral characteristics by stating that oranmore was frequently told that in many particulars he bore a close resemblance to lord byron and that Severn had occasionally been admonished by some of his most attached friends that if he did not take very good care, he would end in being a saint. The prevailing tone of society may be estimated in some degree from the manner in which these opposite suggestions were received by the parties to whom they were addressed. You really flatter me too much, modestly protested Lord Orinmore. I trust not quite that either sensitively remonstrated, Mr. Severn the same inference might have been drawn from occurrences in their behavior severin unaffectedly wished to be religious and was in his practice ostentatiously benevolent but at no time was he ever known to have appeared so grievously annoyed as when he had been casually overheard administering appropriate consolation to a dying servant and 'er and orrin upon one occasion spent an entire night at a country house where he was staying with a large party in pacing up and down his apartment because he knew that he should be heard underneath not with the malicious purpose of giving a bad night to the unfortunate tenants of the fourth floor for he was by no means an ill-natured person but that he might gain the credit due to disturbed conscience and a mysterious remorse society rigidly exclusive as to persons but amiably lax as to characters thought fit in the exercise of its high caprice to smile with nearly equal favour on the mitigated demon and qualified angel of my story it happened consequently that few were the assemblies and dinners at which they did not meet this most unsought-for frequency of contact brought the natural dissonance of their feelings yet more strikingly into evidence so that before their first season was half over they had begun to entertain and even to display toward each other sentiments first of jealousy then of dislike in which Orin more bitterly indulged and against which severin sincerely but feebly struggled in the brilliant career which was opening before them while success seemed common to both the spheres of their ascendancy were not precisely the same men liked Severn best women talked most of or and more few were the partners who could command attention when his forehead was discerned in the distance towering above the crowd chaperones shrank while they stared and no servant could ever succeed in getting rid of an ice in the opposite direction but in politics Severn had a decided advantage though both had spoken in the house of commons with great talent and effect he was readier more judicious and more popular and perhaps this was brought home to Oranmore's moore's conviction still more forcibly because they happened to be upon the same side that of opposition he was therefore obliged to assent to cheer and to praise as well as to envy but worse remained behind in love in the heart of woman in moore's own domain the star of his rival prevailed Lady Alice Bohun had refused him and was now listening with evident satisfaction to the addresses of Severn about this time an important debate had taken place in the house and Severn had made a brilliant and most effective speech the adversary who followed him paid a high compliment to his oratory and a member who piqued himself upon his independence rose to inform him that it had made him a convert no success could have been more unequivocal as oranmore felt while the idea annoyed and irritated him men are frequently drawn irresistibly on to be witnesses of the triumph at which their very souls sicken. and when severance stopped in his way home to sup at the club with a cohort of applauding friends orrin sat down at the table with them upon his countenance sat a placid and to him unusual smile at all events i shall hear the worst of all they can say in his praise was his inward rumination the spirits of those who sat around that board Mounted high, the debate had been animated, the division close, the victory on their side, and the wine was abundant. Severn talked most and laughed loudest. Oranmore drank deepest. By the way, what a lame reply the secretary made to your speech, Severn said, Sir Matthew, pounding. You had taken it out of him. The orator assented, I never heard so bad a speech in my whole life. I cannot quite think that, interposed Oranmore. I've heard him make better but i believe a man of his genius could not make a bad one if he tried he could not make a bad speech echoed sir matthew he could not make a bad speech re-echoed that patriot company come come he has offered Oranmore a place cried Severn. there was a flush in the cheek and a flash from the eye and a quivering on the lip and the countenance of Oranmore was again placid ministers must go out after this division said mr pymdon and who will be sent for in that case added mr Ham why Severn is the man for the country roared out sir matthew is not he Oranmore? i wish you would have the goodness sir matthew not to spill your wine over me don't tell me pitt was two years younger when he was premier well if you are minister severin pray remember me was the postulate of ham and me too was the corollary of pymden by all means gentlemen you sir matthew shall have the board of trade the colonies for ham and pymden shall be at the mint And what place will you choose or more? place place from me shouted Ornmore, and from you of all mankind you puppet of a patriot who even in the first burst of your shallow popularity cannot smother your craving for pelf and power heyday what are these heroics orin they are no heroics Severn. they are the plainest terms which can suggest themselves to express my unmeasured contempt for your pretensions to patriotism and your assumptions to honesty it is better to assume anything than the principles of an infidel and the language of a bully these words at least must be answered elsewhere i shall be found at my lodging Ornmore, we are warm and both have drank too much we cannot tell what we are doing here is my hand i take it or more said sir matthew we must not have two of our thorough-going ones quarrel i would not touch it to save his pale soul from hell Severn, you are a cringing canting coward orinmore left the room the patriots might possibly have interposed but pymdom was fast asleep ham was dead drunk sir matthew said it would do their side harm if one of them had put up with being called a coward mr mctaggart of mctaggart had made it a rule never to mix himself up in such proceedings and the rest were irishmen it was arranged that sir matthew seemed to be the most sober of the party should proceed to lord orinmore's lodging and there speedily settled by him and an equally serviceable ally upon the other side that a meeting should take place at seven o'clock the next morning in a field behind hammersmith severin hurried and bewildered felt a strong desire to see lady alice before that decisive rencontre the necessity of which he rather had passively acquiesced in than deliberately recognized he remembered that she was then hard by at Almack's wednesday ball and thither accordingly he repaired to find her there are those among the most well-meaning who frown indiscriminately upon places of gay resort, who maintain that they all unfit the mind alike for graver duties and higher intercourse. I, on the other hand, with unfeigned deference to the sincerity of such opinions, am still inclined to think that, like almost everything else, they may be turned to profit as well as to abuse, that at the crowded assembly, the listening concert, the applauding theatre, emotions may be wakened and watched, associations touched and moulded, opportunity suggested and improved upon so as to amend and adorn existence this reflection has arisen from what now took place as Severn stood in the midst of that full and brilliant room with his head leaning back upon one of the pillars which support the orchestra the sights of gaiety and the sounds of harmony which surrounded him produced a sudden revulsion of feeling the sense of duties obligations and hopes became more vivid to his mind and he half audibly murmured i must not shed his blood god forbid that i must not let him shed mine but to mere emotion let no man ever trust at this moment he saw through a sudden opening in the throng lady alice bohun approaching him bright in attire radiant with smiles flushed with the exercise of the dance that was just over and lovely even beyond her loveliness she had not perceived him but was conversing with lord george glenurn upon whose arm she leaned with great apparent animation oh mr Severn, i had not seen you before thank you lord george this is my place when did you come mr severn this very moment the house has not been up long how could i forget to wish you joy upon your speech the whole room is full of it they say that it was by far the most beautiful thing that ever was heard and that but do you know you are not looking well a little knocked up perhaps you seem very very well it is a perfect ball i have just been dancing too with lord george Glenarn, and nobody is half so entertaining though i am almost angry with myself for being so much amused by him as you know they told a very ugly story of him two or three years ago about his not fighting when he ought lady alice i believe i am to have the honour this dance interposed a tripping little clerk in the colonial office and up struck the quadrilles in la dame blanche severin walked home at a rapid pace flung off his clothes and then from the mere force of habit before stepping into bed knelt down to pray that act first recalled to him the power of recollection at least if not of reflection four or five several times with his fevered head upon his burning hands he attempted to articulate the accustomed words but still found in them something that stopped him it will not do he exclaimed and sprang into bed he slept instantly and soundly till roused by sir matthew in the morning with but one determination not to think he dressed allowed himself to be forced to swallow some breakfast and was seated in the chariot at the side of his friend well i will say however i never saw a fellow cooler in life observed the admiring baronet only have the goodness not to talk to me was the somewhat ungrateful rejoinder the injunction produced its effect for five minutes when sir matthew took a hint from some piece of ground which they passed and launched off into a circumstantial detail of all the political duels which had occurred in his time and which as it entailed no interchange of communication Severn allowed to proceed without further interruption when they arrived upon the ground they found their antagonists in readiness the seconds made the necessary arrangements and the principals took their places exchanging at the time signs of haughty but calm recognition they had entertained for each other since the period of their first acquaintance feelings of distaste if not ill-will they had now met for the most hostile purpose that can bring human creatures together yet they had probably never before experienced so little of mutual repugnance ornmore felt that he had been the most to blame in the original quarrel and Severn condemned no one but himself for his present position a signal was given Severn fired steadily but without being observed into the air the shot of ornmore did not take effect it had been determined by the seconds that after language of so little qualified a character the honour of the parties required the purifying ordeal of a second fire supposing the first to have been ineffectual fresh pistols were accordingly supplied and a second signal given with great rapidity which entirely precluded the combatants from taking either aim or thought Oranmore more missed again but received in his breast the bullet of severn he fell flat and heavy where are the words to tell what the moment was when that sight crossed the eyes of his opponent the wounded man was put upon a plank and carried into an adjoining farmhouse. the surgeon in attendance announced that he would not live above an hour and more who retained entire possession of all his faculties heard the intelligence and immediately asked for Severn. he is standing by your bed we could not get him to leave you come near to me Severn. take my hand i refused yours last night you must forgive me for having led you into this scene of horror the blame is mine i am very weak and you must take measures for escape live live if you would not make me miserable mad live to rescue my soul from guilt and anguish from blood and murder live that i may devote my life to serve to appreciate you to make atonement to you live to save and bless me i know not what i say or think live but live brave and gifted or and more here he was absolutely forced into the carriage by sir matthew but he had at least the consolation of learning afterwards that his victim died it might be hoped insincere because it appeared in abject penitence he heard his companion arrange the whole plan of his flight and even express his acquiescence but when he perceived that having absolved his mind upon this point that exemplary politician was about to enter upon an enumeration of the probable divisions he would miss and more especially to regret that he would not be able to bear any part in an important motion of hams which stood for the next tuesday there was something in his countenance which awed even sir matthew into silence upon their arrival in town while sir matthew more pleased to be of active service than in close contact with so unsociable a remorse was occupied in hastening some necessary arrangements for the safe departure of his friend he proceeded himself regardless of the danger which he thus incurred to the residence of lady alice and requested to see her alone i am come lady alice to take leave of you leave mr Severn, you are not going away for long i hope if it can give you pain it even adds to the concern the deep concern i now feel i am going away for ever no you would not have come here to tell me that but your looks oh for mercy's sake what has happened he told her she appeared deeply shocked and it was some time before she could say anything i am grieved extremely grieved it is most melancholy dreadful poor lord more, and more such youth and beauty i pity him sincerely and i in many many respects as sincerely envy him but you must not be too much borne down by it i do not well see how it could have been avoided i must beg of you do not attempt to excuse me You must not really take it too deeply to heart it is most unfortunate but only consider how much worse it would have been if you had refused to fight does the reader remember that beautiful passage in lord byron where conrad the man of combats shudders at the stain upon the forehead of that spot of blood that light but guilty streak had banished all the beauty from her cheek blood he had viewed could view unmoved but then it flowed in combat or was shed by men what that spot was to the corsair were the last words of Lady Alice to Severn. She stood before him after she had uttered them beautiful, feminine, and patrician as ever, but he had ceased to worship, and the shrine had lost its idol. Perhaps it was good for him that it should be thus, and the few hasty syllables which dropped from the lips of her he most admired may have given what otherwise he might have wanted strength and constancy in parting. It was four or five years after these occurrences that I met Severn in a maritime town of the levant i had been well acquainted with him in london had always felt a strong attraction toward him and now partially and by degrees succeeded in obtaining his confidence that sacred trust i do not here violate england he once said to me i feel myself incapable of ever revisiting memories enough without memorials but if in the detail of what i have done and suffered anything is to be found that might either teach or warn I should look upon the disclosure as part of the reparation which it is now the object of my life to make upon quitting england he had enlisted himself in one of those bands that were then first raising the standard of grecian independence in the maria a cause for which individual englishmen had felt keenly and fought bravely but upon which i fear that as a nation we have looked but coldly Severn was one of those who could be liberal abroad as well as at home but after an engagement in which he had greatly distinguished himself he felt that from human blood he now recoiled with horror he fancied that he had traced in the distorted features of an expiring Mussulman the last look of oranmore and he resolved that a hand red as he termed it with the murder of a countryman was not worthy of joining in the struggle of the patriots against a foreign enemy he withdrew to a commercial town on the asiatic side of the archipelago where having changed his name and diverted to charitable uses his remittances from england he earned his bread by teaching english and latin to a motley collection of frank and greek scholars occasionally including some high-born scion of consular descent i took more than one occasion after having seen him plotting the same weary round of minute employment wrestling patiently and perseveringly with dullness idleness and insolence ringing the changes of ignoble praise and commonplace rebuke to remonstrate with him him the high-bred the energetic the refined thus wasting qualities and dispositions so eminent upon an employment so inadequate cramping and humiliating take not away from me he replied what you call my humiliations they are the only things on earth at least that reconcile me to myself two little traits connected with his present mode of life are all that occurs to me further to record one day one single day exhibited an exception to his ordinary behaviour he was observed in the discharge of his usual labours to be irritable capricious and morose tidings had happened to reach him that morning announcing the intended marriage of lady alice bohun to lord george glenurn upon another occasion a young greek who had been his pupil and who retained for him that deference amounting to veneration which under his present chastened yet loftier character it would have been almost a miracle not to feel asked his opinion respecting the lawfulness of private combat i quote his answer whether the future laws of your restored country will permit or connive at such a practice i cannot pretend to anticipate persuaded i am that the whole spirit of the higher law to which we both profess allegiance unequivocally forbids it you may attempt to assure yourself that your own hand at least shall be free from blood guiltiness. i will go on in a moment how can you answer to yourself for permitting enabling assisting your fellow creature to incur that charge, I do not tell you to despise or to defy the world. Deserve and enjoy the fair opinion while you may, but if the alternative should present itself, if the preference must be given, you may believe one who has a right to speak upon the subject, that it is a better and a happier thing to be its outcast than its slave. End of section four.